on, everybody? Welcome to another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm the side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, which is Tad the Side. And Tad, <sighs> yeah, rough, rough weekend for you, buddy. I'm sorry. Honestly, though, it's like we discussed this. We were discussing this yesterday. Um, it was after. Brock Purdy got hurt that I sort of accepted the loss. It was kind of similar yep. to you yep. where it's like, you know, a TCU and Georgia and the national title game where you're like, after the first quarter, it's like, yeah, I kind of expected this. Hey, so I'm just, kind hey, of, you know, hey, it was out. halfway through the second quarter, sir. Oh, okay. I thought it was after the first quarter. Cause yeah, no, was, it was after they it went up. It doesn't early. matter. We both got killed. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, for me with the Niners game, it was like, as soon as Purdy got hurt and they flashed, um, they flashed the camera to him on the sidelines talking to Kyle Shanahan and he mouthed the words, I can't throw. So I was like, okay, yeah, we're done now. Cause I mean, if it was a regular season game. Maybe I would have counted on Josh Johnson, but in this pressure of a game, I don't know. I just, I didn't see it happening. And then of course he went out with the concussion. It was just like, yeah, can things get any worse sort of thing? And so, yeah, it, it was tough to see, but, you know, like I said, I accepted it early, so I used the rest of the three hours or whatever that game went on to just be like, you know what, it's all good. We're in the conference championship back-to-back years, um, optimistic for what's on the future, and just, you know what, for Kyle Shannon to do what he did this season, um, you had to commend the guy. So, yeah, three I accepted it. Three quarterbacks. I mean, most teams with the third string quarterback don't even make the playoffs, let alone the conference championship. So, no, that and also you should be happy because, you know, I'm, I'm happy as well. Cause, you know, now that my Colts, you know, are big <laughs> draft players, everybody's talking about, you know, where are they going to do in the draft? So they're a big talking point heading into the offseason. And I'm not even joking. I drove for about an hour today because in case you don't know, Dallas is frozen over. So driving, you have to go about 20 miles an hour. So I listened to a lot of podcasts today. Another podcast, I kid you not, talked for 30 minutes about the 49ers quarterback future. So you yeah. guys are a talking point. The Colts are a talking point. Like hey, things could be worse for both of our franchises. Just God, please don't draft Will Levis. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what, how this all plays out. But just, yeah, it was unfortunate what happened to the 49ers. But like I said, at least we were there. I'm glad we were there. Like you said, it just it's, it's most... the same conversation I was having after TCU. <laughs> Literally <laughs> like same said, talking like... points, beat by beat. Well, like you said, it's just like, yeah, for Shanahan to do that with his third string quarterback and, you know, technically his fourth string quarterback in the game itself is like for him to get that for far as he did. Minutes. It's just like, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But it's all good. It's all good. And we sort of turned the leap uh, for the Niners fans, at least, to the offseason. But yeah, now we have a Super Bowl matchup between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. But as I sort of mentioned here, our two teams are looking at the offseason as far as looking at draft prospects and figuring out free agency. Um, and you know what? You can bet on all those things because I'm pretty sure as we get closer to free agency and, of course, on the Super Bowl, Bet Online has you covered with all your betting needs when it comes comes to prop bets for the Super Bowl, where some free agents are going to land, what's going to happen with the NFL draft, who's going to be number one overall pick. All of those odds can be found on Bet Online because Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs all season long. You'll find the latest odds and team matchup info, player news, game trends, all at Bet Online. And there you continue to search for all sports wagering information. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. 
always the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, NHL, MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, esports. They got you covered on anything and everything. So head to Bet Online today on your computer or mobile device and join, and you can receive a 50% of a welcome bonus on top of your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's capital B L E A V, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on top of your first deposit. Once again, that promo code is BELIEVE, capital B L E A V, and you'll receive your reward. So Bet Online where the game starts. So, Tad, like I said, we're sort of turning the leaf here, but lots of other teams have sort of been filling some vacant positions on their coaching staff. So, you know, we got some news of some offensive coaching hirings. We got a couple head coaching hirings as well. So we're not going to get into the head coaching hirings as much right, and at, at all probably in this episode. We'll save that later towards the offseason when they fill out their rosters with, you know, their draft picks and free agency signings, fill out their coaching staff as well. We'll do a deep dive just like we did last year with all those head coaches. But me and Ted wanted to focus on some of those offensive coaching uh, hires that just happened in the past couple of weeks. And we want to give it sort of a small fantasy spin as well. But yeah, 100%, we're going to do a deeper dive with some of these teams that have hired new positions, specifically the head coaches, once we get closer to the offseason. But yeah, there's some big news as far as some offensive coordinator hirings these past couple of weeks. And we want to give it a little bit of a talking point here with the fantasy spin. So let's start with the first move that sort of happened with the New England Patriots. Like, I mean, this needed to happen, and it's actually good that it did happen because we didn't want to go with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia for a second straight season with that offense, especially if you're a fantasy manager and obviously if you're a Patriots fan. Um, so Bill O'Brien, he is returning to the NFL after coaching two years with Alabama Crimson Tide. Obviously, he was the former head coach with the Houston Texans. And previously, he got his first NFL job with the New England Patriots. He coached there from 2007 to 2011, started as an offensive assistant, then became a quarterback's coach. And then finally, he was an offensive coordinator before he went to Penn State to become the head coach. So Coming back, I mean, he had a very successful run with the Alabama offense. He held the Crimson Tide to the sixth most points per game in 2021, and they had the fifth most points per game in 2022. So, I mean, clearly he knows what he's doing, a little bit of that reclamation project, which we brought up so many times before with Nick Saban, bringing in these guys to sort of give them another chance to sort of revitalize their careers and head off to other coaching opportunities. Steve Sarkeesian was there. Now he's the head coach at Texas. Obviously, we got Bill O'Brien here coming back to the NFL to be an offensive coordinator. We'll see. Maybe there's a head coaching opportunity for him down the line once he's back in the Whoa. NFL. Like I said, we'll see. We're not Whoa. we're not counting anything right. right now. Let's okay. see how it goes. In the Hot first, take but... there. All right. <laughs> But you can't put it out of the realm of possibility, right? So we'll oh, see what happens. Yeah. Um, but honestly, Tad, like, I mean, we talked about this. Just the offense last year, just not having a so legitimate bad. offensive so coordinator <laughs> to call the plays. Like, we saw the struggles with Patricia and Joe well, Judge. real quick, not to interrupt you, but did you see that report that apparently Bill Belichick was also a pl offensive play caller? That seems likely. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure there yeah, like he was like, uh, saw what the, Patricia the headline doing. I saw, I, I, great. I didn't really read the article. I kind of skimmed it, but, uh, the headline was that Bill Belichick was a shadow play caller. And then for yeah. our podcast listeners, I'm putting that in quotes because apparently, <laughs> well, and, and to be fair, Bill Belichick, it was after he realized that the whole Matt Matri uh, Patricia thing was a mistake. So Bill Bel Belichick was like, you know, fine, I'll do it. And yeah. he did the Thanos, right? Yeah, fine, I'll do it myself. Exactly. And 
both of them just suck at offensive play calling, apparently. Yeah. So it was just like something needed to happen there. They're defensive-minded head coaches, so I mean, it's automatically that they're not going to have the most success calling the right offensive plays. Like, I mean, Bill Belichick has a lot of experience that he might have been doing a little bit better of a job compared to your Matt Patricia, but yeah, clearly they needed to get somebody offensive-minded to lead things now, so they bring in Bill O'Brien. He's going to give this offense a little bit more credibility. He's going to bring some good elements that he learned from Alabama. Obviously, we've talked about this before. The coach and coordinator, Bill O'Brien, was actually pretty successful in the NFL. It was the general manager, Bill O'Brien, that ended up costing him his job in Houston. So I don't think he'll Wait, do you're telling me that Laramie Tunsil trade wasn't good? <laughs> He's exactly. the best tackle in the league. Wait yeah, a minute. Seriously, same thing with the DeAndre Hopkins trade, right? So, oh, I mean, God, I forgot about that. Got to bring that up again, right? So I think he's going to bring a lot more credibility to this offense. Like I said, he's going to get the most out of the players on the offense, especially with the roster that he has. They make a few additions. I think they'll be a lot better. But here's the biggest thing that I see to benefit as far as the fantasy is, uh, spin is concerned. Bill O'Brien was always really good at establishing the run, and I think that's going to be really successful at New England. I mean, New England's always been pretty good at running the ball too, but yeah, Bill O'Brien, he builds that run to obviously lead to the passing. The medium, medium, the mid size of the field is going to be more utilized here as opposed to deep vertical passing that Matt Patricia was trying to install here, which New England just didn't have the offense for, so I think this offense is going to be a little bit better, but yeah, Ramondre Stevenson, I think he had a pretty good season here in 2022 but i think he could take another step forward especially with the possibility of damon harris not being returned as a new england patriot because he's a free agent maybe they decide to let him walk they draft somebody in the draft um, they obviously have pierre strong on the roster too uh kevin harris i believe had some carries during the season he looked all right so they like... were related while i was doing research for this, by the way. <laughs> so i mean they may decide to let damien harris walk and obviously go in a different direction but i think reminder stevenson he's definitely going to benefit in his offense as far as like an instant reaction to bill o'brien being with new england but tad what are your thoughts here as far as bill o'brien being back in the nfl and specifically here with New England. Well, first off, I mean, it, it's I've used this reference before, but I'm just imagining Bill O'Brien, uh, like the guy at the end of Independence Day, being like, hello, boys, I'm back. Like, that's how I'm imagining him coming into New England, because, God, these fans have got to be dying for a comedy references. I really do. I <laughs> almost same one, like, I once every this. other episode. No, 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 I will say this. You are lucky, because I was – very much debating building in the money ball 50 feet of crap uh thing yeah. in the, today's episode as well but i decided against it so just just count yourself lucky i'm only reusing one reference yeah. but anyway so no i bill o'brien is a the breath of fresh air that this clearly needs and honestly it is mac jones last shot if you cannot do it with bill o'brien mac jones is done for sure. So in terms of fantasy, if you're even th not that a lot of people are, or hopefully not, uh, if you're even thinking about drafting Mac Jones, don't touch him. Like an interesting waiver, you know, uh, target to look out for, but leave him alone. Now, here's the interesting thing, though, is, okay, so this is kind of our approach to this episode, guys. So Amur is going to say players that will probably benefit. I'm going to say players that probably won't benefit because, you know, I'm better negative Nelly than he is. I'm just, I'm more of a pessimist. Yeah, so that's true. I actually disagree with you. I don't like any of the Patriots running backs going with Bill O'Brien. Okay. And here's why, because I have the stats to back this up, is in the six years that Bill O'Brien, by the way, six years is way longer than it seemed. That, that also shocked me. But in the six years that Bill O'Brien was the Houston Texans coach, the Texans only had 
three running backs that rushed for over a thousand yards and two of those running backs. One of them rushed for 1047 yards. The other one rushed for 1074 yards. So it was like, they barely got over that mark. So on top of that though, you're like, okay, well yards barely count. It's, you know, one yard per 10, one point per 10 carry. One point per 10 yards. There we go. So I love how you had to think about that for a second. So it's like, okay, yeah, yards don't matter. It's all about those touchdowns. Tag, give me those touchdowns. Well, I'll give you those touchdown numbers. Backs only finished with more than six touchdowns once in that span. Once. And it was Bill O'Brien's first year. And it was Arian Foster's last great year, by the way. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. other than that, every back finished for six touchdowns or less. And just to put that in perspective, if a Houston Texan running back did that this year, he would have finished tied for 24th in total touchdowns. So while I'm sure his overall stats with rushing are pretty good because he likes to, you know, kind of spread it. That was always the Patriots thing, right? They love to spread out the ball among running back by committee. I am not trusting a single uh, running back in the Patriots backfield going forward until, you know, about midseason. Maybe you can take advantage of, you know, Stevenson. Because I do like Stevenson as a player. I think he's a really good player. And like you said, with Damian Harris potentially being gone, there's a lot of promise there. I just, I don't like that system because it's been proven over history that it just does not benefit a single player all that well. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, we'll see how this all plays out. But yeah, I sort of what I've seen is just like, yeah, they like to build the running game and then leverage the passing game off of that. So we'll see how this all plays out in his second stint in the NFL with the New England Patriots again. So let's keep moving along here. We got three other candidates that we want to get to. Uh, Michael Floor, unfortunately, was let go by the New York Jets, but he found a job pretty quickly within a couple weeks. He is now the offensive coordinator with the Los Angeles Rams. So he is going to be joining up with Sean McVay, head coach there. Sean McVay is not retiring. He is coming back to coach the los I angeles Rams. that whole dance of like oh i might retire i might go in rock just do it already <laughs> i think the consensus on our lafb network slack channel that we have internally here is that once his contract is over that's probably when he's going to walk away if no, he's going to walk no, away it, which no. is in 2024 so this two more seasons um but honestly this is a pretty good connection between mike lafleur and sean McBabe because they employ very similar principles now Sean McVay never had Michael Floor on his coaching staff. Michael Floor was usually with Kyle Shanahan. But, I mean, it's sort of the same thing here. It's like, you know, a Honeycrisp apple and a Fuji apple. It's still an apple because, I mean, they employ very similar principles. With Those Kyle are Shanahan. your two go-to apples. Those are the first two names that came to me. <laughs> so, Granny I mean, Smith and Red Apple, man. Like, I could have okay, got well, Granny Smith and Red Apple two different colors. I'm talking about here with similar things. But anyways, they're still both apples where it's like Kyle Shanahan is still liking to use the zone running scheme. Obviously, the West Coast offense, short passes to lead to yards after the catch. That's where Mike LaFleur learned that. That's what he's employing with the New York Jets. They had a very successful running game there. Unfortunately, it led to injuries, which is why they ended up struggling. And, you know, some of the teams they played were a little bit tougher, too. But just those are things that he can carry over into los angeles which sean McVay was already doing as well so i mean they're going to work hand in hand i think this offense is definitely going to bounce back i mean they're just absolutely ravaged by injuries here in 2022 so it's hard to do a lot with the players that he had but yeah cooper cup will be back next year cam Akers had a resurgent towards the end of the season so hopefully he's going to be a feature player matthew stafford should hopefully be healthy their offensive line should hopefully be a lot better so i think 
this partnership between LaFleur and McVeigh can work really well in Los Angeles, especially for fantasy purposes. And I already brought this name up, but Cam Akers. I mean, we saw that towards the end of the season. Yet, I mean, we had all those trade rumors about him possibly being traded away because there was just disagreement between him and McVeigh and the coaching staff or whatever it was. But then they ended up using him, and he was looking pretty good down the stretch. Now you bring in a guy like LaFleur who likes to use that zone running scheme, who likes to emphasize the running game. I think Cam Akers could be a really good target here in 2023. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be an RB1, but he definitely could be a really good RB2 for your roster because, like I said, I think Sean McVay likes to use the running game. He just never had a dependable running back. If Cam Akers can be that guy with the use of Michael LaFleur's offensive system as well, I like Cam Akers to be a fringe RB1 as the season progresses, but when you're going into your draft, that I think you could apply, you could probably use him as an RB2 for your roster. But just, yeah, I like Cam Akers heading into 2023 with Michael LaFleur in the system here with Sean McVay. But, Tad, what are your thoughts here on the Rams hiring Michael LaFleur? Oh, you're ready for this because I, I, I'm going to coin a phrase that I originally came up with. No one else has ever said this. You ready? Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> I am not convinced that Cam Akers is the way to go moving forward, especially with LaFleur as the offensive coordinator. Because, and now I'm going to kind of skip over this point because this year was a weird year for uh, Jets running backs with all the injuries and stuff. So this year, uh, you know, it, the uh, lead back had, or sorry, excuse me. And the first, okay, yeah, sorry. I read my notes real quick. The lead back handled 60% of the carries, but basically they like there was a huge split between the running backs with uh you know Jets running backs this year. But the year before that, when LeFleur was still their offensive coordinator, the lead back had 60% of the carries, lead back being uh Tevin Coleman, and the other back, Michael Carter, had 40% of the carries. So not quite a 50-50 split, obviously, but I'm I'm just not a big believer in cam Akers because it is so clear from and this is the move that really proved to me that this guy michael fleur believes in running back by committee is because i remember you and i even agreed on this was michael carter had a pretty promising rookie year and they go out and draft uh Brees hall and i most people at that time were sitting there going why there yeah. were so many mm -hmm. defensive players out there like that was weird and nothing against Brees hall like he's obviously you know, the better running back. So that was a good pick. But at the time we were all like, that's, that's a weird pick because LaFleur believes in a running back by committee. So I, I really think that that's a, that's a problem there with, you know, the Rams moving forward is that I, I, I don't think that Cam Akers, I, you were, you were, I, I, you had me on board for a bit. In terms of running back two, I could you could convince me into the running back two territory, but for me moving forward, just because we have McVeigh, who's already proven that he believes in a running back by committee approach, and now we have an offensive coordinator who clearly believes in a running back by committee approach as well. That Acres for me is a solid flex option with running back two potential, but seeing him as a running back one, I think that is a classic fantasy trap that people are going to fall into. You know that you make a good point there, and I think the biggest thing for me, and you know, we'll sort of close it out here, is just that um, the running back room is just so depleted right it's now. So they had Daryl Harrison, they released him. They're supposed to rely on Kyron Williams, but he was never really involved. I mean, we'll see what happens going into year two with him. So that's why I saw like you know they were using Cam Akers a lot towards the end of the season. So that's why maybe I was sort of leaning on the fact that. 
maybe they're going to use him more. Now, obviously, we have free agency. Obviously, we have the draft, so maybe they'll fill that room up again. I mean, speaking of Damian they'll Harris, have that... that reeks of an L.A. signing right there. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, maybe that's a situation where they're going to fill that running back room again, and they're going to go by that running back by committee. But as of right now, as we're doing this recording, I sort of see Cam Akers being that RB1, and maybe they'll sprinkle in a few of those other guys. So that's why I sort of believe that he could be a strong RB2 fringe RB1, depending on how the season goes. But yeah, we still got a lot of offseason left to go. So we'll see how the Rams obviously replenish their roster on all fronts. So yeah, maybe the running back room will be one of those rooms that they fill up again. So let's get to the other Los Angeles team here. And that's the Los Angeles Chargers. They made a great signing. I This was a hire a lot of LAFB people were very excited for. I think if you're a fantasy fan, if you're a football fan, I think this is a smart move by the Chargers to bring in this guy because yeah, Kellen Moore is now a member of the Los Angeles Chargers as offensive coordinator. I mean, lose one job and instantly get another. That's literally Dude, what happened. To like Kellen Moore. literally instantly. I oh, texted my friend. It's very a, much. A fr- so I'm in a group chat with two of my friends. One of them doesn't really follow the NFL. The other does. And, uh, you know, I was teaching a class. Well, sorry to interrupt you, by the way. But uh, one, uh, one of them, the one that doesn't really follow the NFL, was like, why did Kellen Moore get fired? I thought the Cowboys offense was good. And the other one was like, yeah, he's a scapegoat. And finally, when I was able to catch up, I was like, he got scapegoated. That was a good hire by the Chargers. And my other friend goes, oh, I didn't even know the Chargers hired him. That's how fast that hire was. <laughs> No, it was very quick because, yeah, it was literally fired by the Cowboys, I think, um, on one day. And I think it was within the next day or at least two days. No, it was within hours, it I'm at, pretty sure. I don't, I don't think it was out. It was very instantaneous. It was like within 24 hours, I'd like to say for sure. It was within, that Kellen okay, yeah. was a member of the Los Angeles Chargers. It was like literally I think the Chargers were waiting. That's like they fire him. Let's go and get him sort of thing. <laughs> like, I mean, that's what, sort of what happened. But – Moore's a very creative signal caller. Like, I mean, his NFL career wasn't all that great, but his coaching career seems to be trending in the right direction for him. I mean, with the Dallas Cowboys, he produced a top three scoring offense in back-to-back seasons in these last two seasons, um, including a first-place finish two years ago in 2021. Um, He also had the sixth highest scoring offense in his first year as offensive coordinator back in 2019. So he was offensive coordinator with the Cowboys for four seasons. He was an offensive assistant or quality control quality control coach excuse me in 2018 with the Cowboys as well so his entire career has been with the Cowboys so far but he has been successful I know they had a lot of pieces on that offense with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and your Tony Pollard and your CeeDee Lamb and they had Amari Cooper at one point during this time there um so I mean he had a lot of great pieces but coming to the Chargers He's got a lot of great pieces here, too. And I think the biggest thing that's going to be good, and this is the biggest beneficiary from Kellen Moore being the offensive coordinator, Justin Herbert. Like, I mean, one of the things that I think Kellen Moore struggled with when he was in Dallas is that Dick Prescott, while he was a good quarterback at times, he's clearly very turnover prone. Like, I mean, we saw this in the divisional game against the San Francisco 49ers. Two interceptions ended up costing them in a very close game. So those things can cost you a lot of crucial games. And I think with Justin Herbert, he's very good at keeping the ball and preventing those turnovers from happening, whether it's fumbles or interceptions. He's very cognizant of what's around him, and he's not going to make a sort of aggressive play in order to get a big game. He's going to take what the defense gives him. At times, he'll be a little bit aggressive, but aggressive at the right times. I think that's sort of what I'm going for here. And Kellamore, I think, can utilize that, where it's like he's got a guy, he's got a younger 
younger guy, good arm talent. He's got a lot of great weapons with Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Gerald Everett at the tight end position. I mean, they got a lot of great pieces there that Kellen Moore could really utilize. And so Justin Herbert, I think, will take another step forward. Yeah, a lot of people can complain that this is Justin Herbert's third offensive coordinator in his short career. So you wonder if that's going to play a little bit of issue. But I think... Kellen Moore's an experienced guy. I think Justin Herbert's an experienced guy as well. So I think they're both going to be working in tandem to take this offensive uh, offense for the Chargers, excuse me, to another level. Now, we'll see what happens as far as their late game woes, as far as obviously what happened with the Jaguars. You know, but that's I, not going to fall more. Yeah, no, that's, that's not going to fall on up to bad luck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's not going to fall on Kellen Moore. I think he's going to be able to hold this offense accountable, lead them to some good scoring drives, be a very high-efficient offense as well. And Kelmore likes to use the tight end, so I like Gerald Everett to also take another step Stop forward. Stop stepping on my notes. Stop stepping. <laughs> shush, shush, shush. It's my turn now. Stop. Shush. Yeah. Yeah. You're stepping so, on my notes. I like both You are stepping guys. on my but notes. Yeah. What are your thoughts here on Kellamore going to the Los well, Angeles Chargers? Well, this is why I stepped in because you were your 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 encroachment. Encro- what's the hand sign for encroachment? <laughs> Doesn't matter. I was about to say I, I That's holding. holding. I know it's holding, but whatever. We'll do this for now. Um but yes, no, I think that is it's funny because I, I tried so hard to find some position that would, you know, not benefit from Kellen Moore's hiring. But it was impossible. All his backup running backs does well. And Here's what I tried to do is I was like, all right, the third receiver with Dallas had to suck. And I was like, the third or second receiver, that's where it is. So I could like go with the hot take that Keenan Allen or someone like that would struggle in his off. No. When Amari Cooper was there, like you say, yeah, Amari Cooper for two years, both both he and C.D. Lamb did so well. And on top Let's of that, Michael Gallup that had like also did Wilson well. at times. Yeah, Noah Brown no, they, looked really good this season. It's like Michael Gallup. Exactly, I mean, they had exactly. a lot of there, guys that were successful. <laughs> there was no weakness I could find. I yeah. he, I, I couldn't find anything. So I, I texted him a couple hours ago. I was like, yeah, we're going to overlap with Ben Fitz here because <laughs> it just – I couldn't find a weakness, and that just shows – what dumb firing this was by this was Mike McCarthy saving his ass. Like he needed a scapegoat and whatever. That's, that's probably another podcast as well. So anyway, I, I kid you not. This is who I put for who I like to benefit from this hiring. Whoever is the Chargers tight end, because it might be Gerald Everett, but a lot of mock drafts I've been watching have them taking a tight end in the first round. So you may be asking, well, why? So in 2021, Dalton Schultz had almost 80 catches. It was like 78, 77, something like that. Over 100 targets. So he targeted Schultz a lot that year, which is, and you know me, I love me some targets. Eight touchdowns in 2021. 2022, Schultz had 89 targets, 57 catches, five touchdowns, and only 15 games. So he missed two games there. So if he played those two games, it probably would have been a little higher, but still pretty impressive stats, right? Well, now we go into the draft where the Chargers are a pretty all-around solid roster, so they have that uh, luxury to spend on a position that they may not be immediate, but that they could improve on. And my God, if they draft Michael Meyer out of, uh, or Mayer, excuse me, Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, holy crap. That is a combination between Mayer, Moore, and Herbert that could just be 
absolutely deadly. Like I just, I don't care if it's Everett, if it's uh, mayor, if it's now, if it's starting out Washington, well, we'll get into that in later episodes, but if it's starting out Washington, that proves other things. But as long as the chargers have a good pass catching tight end, that tight end has a lot of potential fantasy wise. And here's another thing is he could fly under the radar. So that is a potential. T- uh, I swear by this. That is a potential top five tight end. You could get in a late, five rounds of your fantasy draft. Like this is, I am so psyched about the Chargers offense moving forward next year. It's insane. Yeah. So I think the tight end position is definitely going to benefit because yeah, just really quick closing statement here with the Cowboys is that they actually had Blake Jarwin slated to be the leading tight end in 2021. He got hurt. I mean, but before that he was being very successful, but then Dalton Schultz stepped in and he had the great season that he had, which obviously led to him having a good season in 2022. Yes. He had a little bit of a couple games missed there with injuries too, but just like, yeah, Cowboys, Kellen Moore, he liked to use the tight end. Chargers are definitely going to benefit as far as the tight end position is concerned as well. They already have some tight ends with Gerald Everett, Trey McKitty, Donald Parham. But yeah, definitely in the draft, I'm seeing a lot of projections there. Donald Parham is a free agent, though. So they have two tight ends that are slated to be free agents, which is why people think they are going to draft one of these tight ends late in the first round. It's possible. Very possible. Um, Let's get to the last one here as far as recent hirings. This one's weird. It's interesting. It's interesting. But there's a little bit of a storyline behind it that I think why they sort of made this hiring. And that's Nathaniel Hackett is now the offensive coordinator with the New York Jets. So, I mean, clearly, I mean, it was a dumpster fire in Denver, which led to him being fired midway through his first season with the Denver Broncos. And, yeah, he was uh, interviewed by the New York Jets. They seemed to like him as a candidate. They brought him on to join the staff after letting Michael LaFleur go, who is obviously, as we alluded to earlier, now a member of the Los Angeles Rams in the same position, offensive coordinator. So, yeah, this is, I think, a lot of people are speculating that this is it's a way to get Aaron Rodgers. It's an Aaron Aaron Rodgers move. This is 100% an Aaron Rodgers move. That was exactly, I think a lot of people were thinking that when he got hired by Denver in the first place, that maybe they can, you know, swing a trade with uh, the Denver Broncos to get Aaron Rodgers there. Clearly he ended up staying. They ended up making the trade for Russ. It didn't work out, obviously. We'll see what happens with Sean Payton now, which obviously we'll get to in a later episode down the road. Um, But just, yeah, Nathaniel Hackett, I think to the New York Jets, I think, the Jets feel like they're in a sort of win now mode that they have all the pieces is just the quarterback position that prevented them from really getting to the playoffs and possibly making a run. And so, yeah, I think with all this, you know, um, concerns or just like question marks in green Bay, as far as whether Aaron Rodgers is going to return, whether he's going to be traded, he's going to think about it. The cut, the front office is thinking about it. It's like, we don't know what's going to happen, but if the jets can sort of work their way in there to be like, Hey, you can come over here, work with your old buddy, Nathaniel Hackett, uh, being a big city in New York and lead this team. That's oh, pretty much yeah. ready for you. Cause there's, there's nothing that screams Aaron Rodgers like a big city. No, I know. <laughs> I just say it. That's just like, um, yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of things that could entice him. Obviously, staying with one team could entice him to stay in Green Bay, but just like pretty much this Hackett hire was to try and get Rodgers to New York. Uh, we'll see how that all yeah. plays out. Um, but honestly, like I mean, I know we kind of want to lambaste Hackett for what he did in Denver, but I mean, there's a lot of things that he did well from his time with the Green Bay Packers. He was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was with Buffalo as far as the offensive coordinator is concerned, and. 
he was pretty good at producing a solid runner with everywhere that he went. I know it's sort of a running theme here with all the coordinators here that the running game sort of benefits, but that's sometimes what you need. Like, I mean, I know that sort of a pass first uh, modern day NFL now, but you need to establish the run too to sort of get that pass to be more effective. And so he has produced four top 15 rushing offenses in his eight seasons as offense coordinator. Yeah, it's not the greatest numbers, but I mean, he's had to work with guys like Fred Jackson in Buffalo, CJ Spiller in Buffalo, who had like one good year that was under Nathaniel Hackett. Um, he did it with Leonard Fournette, who was a rookie during that time when he was in Jacksonville, that 2017 run with Break Bortles of all people at quarterback. So I mean, it was like, yeah, I know a lot of it was on the defense, but I mean, yeah, he was still a little bit successful there. And obviously you get to Green Bay where he worked with the likes of Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon was able to slowly break out as well when the Packers drafted him. So he's able to work with a lot of different types of running backs. And you can see a sort of common thread there. Some of those guys were dual threats as well with your CJ Spillers, your Aaron Jones, your Leonard Fournette, definitely during his time when he was in Jacksonville, he became a dual threat a little bit there too. So he can work with that. So, I mean, we're Tad, you already brought his name up before, but Brees Hall, I think he had mm -hmm. such a great season in his rookie year, but unfortunately he got hurt, which ended up derailing his rookie campaign. Possibly would have been a front runner for the rookie of the year candidate, offensive candidate. Exactly. And so I think with Hackett now, he could sort of take that next step forward. Obviously, once he comes back and he's healthy to go, that, yeah, I like Brees Hall to really benefit with Nathaniel Hackett's coaching system there. But, yeah, I mean, hate hate to sort of play the same record, same, the same song on the old record here. But, yeah, this is a ploy to get Aaron Rodgers, 100%. <laughs> A hundred percent was, and I mean, I'm not a terrible hire. Like he was a, he was hired to be a head coach for a reason. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm, you know, nothing against him. Let's give him another shot. Let's see how sure. it works. But I'm so glad you picked uh Brees Hall because, uh, you know, it made me think of like, wow, that's interesting. So I, I went back as time as the Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator. I, I, I decided to look for a player that would, you know, hurt from his hire. So Amir, from uh, his time in 2019 and 2020, this Green Bay Packers backup running back rushed for less than 505 yards and only had three touchdowns over that span. Who was that running back? Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. You were absolutely correct. Good job, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Now, in 2021, Hackett's last year as the Packers offensive coordinator. This backup running back only had four touchdowns on the entire season. Who was that backup running back? I'm guessing A.J. Dillon. No, you are incorrect. Oh, okay. A.J. Dillon actually had a majority of the carries, touchdowns, and yards that year. It was actually yeah. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Got it. Okay. Okay. So my entire I think Aaron Jones built some injuries that season, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, he did. Yeah. He did towards later. But don't, don't worry about points. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shut up with your logic. Continue. My point being is that this guy – it's almost opposite what I've been saying this entire episode is he does not like running back by committee. You are right. He does know how to make the most out of one good running back, but he does not know how to make the most out of two good running backs. This was something that, you know, you got right. I got wrong with, uh, you know, in Denver, I thought that Melvin Gordon was going to be the lead back. You got it right with Javante Williams because he picked one and that back dominated up until, you know, injuries played a role, but that's, you know, part of the thing is I just, I don't think that Hackett really knows how to do, or I won't say knows how to do, but doesn't like the running back by committee approach. So while Brees Hall, I a hundred percent agree with you. 
I think Brees Hall is a great pick. I think he is going to do fantastic in this offense, no matter who is their quarterback. Michael Carter, undraftable, in my opinion. I'm not even touching him in a draft. He's a valuable handcuff. I'd probably put it there because if Brees Hall, unfortunately, is not healthy to go to start the season, or if he has another setback, then it's like, yeah, then it's worth to stash Michael Carter on your bench. But yeah, as far as his utilization, as far as um, being a dual uh, dual role with Brees Hall, I don't see very much, you know, success there for sure. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so Michael Carter is my pick. If, in case that wasn't clear, Michael Carter is my pick. I wouldn't even touch him. Like, just yeah. don't even. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. So like we talked about, these are some of the more recent offensive coordinator hires. There's definitely been a lot of news on the head coaching front. D'Amico Ryans to Houston, Sean Payton to Denver. Um, Remind me here if there's any other moves that have happened recently. No, it's funny you should say that because I was getting a little – so to give people a little bit of insight, while we made plans for this episode two days ago – and then Sean Payton happened, D'Amico Ryan's happened. I'm like, Amar, we need to talk about this. He was like, later. And then I yeah. was like, ah, shit. Like, what if the Colts hire someone? Because obviously we got to talk about that. And then I saw that we're, we're interviewing uh, Brian Callahan, who is the Bengals OC, tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, all right. So we're, we're good there. So, no, there have been – there's been no breaking news over this episode, but trust us, we will get to every single coaching hire. We will touch on it. We absolutely promise. Yeah. So we wanted to touch on the offensive coordinators because that relates to fancy a little bit more than the head coaches. But yeah, 100% like Tad said, and we brought this up at the beginning parts of the episode. We're going to do a deep dive on all the new head coaching hires, just like we did last year. Well, that's in article form, maybe in episode form. We'll see exactly how it plays out. But yeah, the best way you can find out about everything that's happening with the side guys is follow us on our Twitter handles you see down below. You got my personal handle, I'm inside 23. You got Tad's, Tad the side 94. You got the show handle, D the side guys. And of course, on Instagram, you got us on the side guys there too. And so yeah, always be up to date with everything that's happening with us. You can subscribe to the podcast as well, wherever you listen to your podcast. But I think the biggest thing. Amir, 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 speaking about what we have going forward. Can we please do a mock draft soon? <laughs> so it's great please. that you bring that up. It's great that you bring that up because this is sort of the special announcement that we've been teasing for the last handful of episodes. It sort of relates Wait, to this here. And obviously we're going to be the fantasy guys during the season as that goes along. But now with the new change here at LAFB Network, we are now your number one source for NFL draft news. So we're going to be coming to you with all the great info during the months, of the, during the off season, I should say. We're going to sprinkle in some fantasy episodes as well. But yeah, we're definitely going to go hard on the draft coverage. So expect to hear, you know, offensive rankings, you know, positional rankings. We're definitely going to do our Senior Bowl live stream that is happening yes, this weekend. Yes, Me and Tad will be there. So make sure you stay tuned for that. We're Assuming be the snow does not knock on my Wi-Fi, but we'll we'll <laughs> stay hopeful. So we're going to be joined by our good friends that we had last year, Jamal and Will from LEFB Network. Um, so we're going to have a great time doing that for the second year in a row here. But yeah, we're going to give you, you know, as the weeks go along, we're going to give you some previews as far as what to expect from the combine, what to expect for some pro days. Like I said, some mock drafts, which Tad is super excited about. I am so um, excited for that. We're definitely going to discuss draft strategies with certain teams because some teams have multiple first-round picks. Some teams do not have a first-round pick. We did some of this last year. But, yeah, we're going to go a lot harder this year as your number one source now on LAFA Network for all your draft information. So, 
yeah, we're going to be covering a lot of stuff over the course of the entire year. It's not just draft stuff, not just fancy stuff. We're going to sprinkle in some other stuff every so often as well. But just, yeah, like I said, it helps to follow us because we're definitely going to be releasing a lot of stuff that we can't do through podcasts or through articles. And we want to hear your interactions with all of your draft-related questions because we're going to be covering all of that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to be an exciting time over these next handful of months covering the draft. Ted, I know you're brimming with excitement because oh, dude, when we I made this wait. change, I've been I'm super the, excited. I, 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 the reason I've been like, you know, lax days ago while you've been talking is because I've been waiting. I am so excited for this, guys. We are the flagship draft show here now at LAFB Network. You have draft questions? Hit me up. Hit Amur up. Hit, you know, Will Decker, Jamal up. We are here for you guys. I am so excited to get this spring started. It is a literal dream come true to have a draft show so you know what guys honestly thank you so much for anyone watching this for anyone listening to this thank you so much because without you we would not have been given this privilege so thank you so much and let's keep it going because we are going to have so much fun in the next couple months and I, not in the next couple months the next couple of days the senior bowl is what three four days away and yeah, trust me i've already been yeah, and we've already been putting in the work. It's been great. And so I'm so, so excited for this announcement. I, I like and, and Amir, thank you, man. Like this is just such a this is a this is a great life opportunity. I am so excited to share this with you guys. So stick with us throughout the spring. We're gonna bring you great draft coverage and it's gonna be amazing. And I cannot wait until we cover the actual draft. Like this is gonna be a great couple months. So stay tuned and like Amir said. Check out those, you know, those names right below on those stickers. Check those out. Interact with us. I am so down to talk anything draft with you guys. I just talked about a quarterback the other uh, day with Amur from Shepherd University. I will give a hundred dollars to a listener that can prove they did not look it up where Shepherd University is from because I had never heard of that before. So, like, I, I cannot wait to get this going. It's a, such a great, fun, exciting development. So, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. I am so excited for the future. And as always, oh, and by the way, we have a couple more episodes coming out later this week. So be sure to stay tuned for that. So, as always, thank you so much for listening. And please, especially if you're in Texas, because we are in frozen hellscape right now, please stay safe, everyone. Mm-hmm.